Hello, before we get started with this Between the Laughs Fleabag episode, a quick note from me. Firstly, apologies for the poor audio quality you may experience in this episode. It turns out that no amount of post-production can fix recording a podcast underwater with a faulty microphone. Secondly, if you enjoy the show, please make sure you subscribe because Season 2 of Between the Laughs will be dropping very soon. We've got some great new sitcoms we'll be reviewing and I have bought a new microphone. Hello, you're listening to Between the Laughs, the fortnightly comedy podcast that, as its name suggests, is not itself funny. I'm Rob Cowan, broadcasting no longer from sunny California, but from rainy Lancashire. And I'm joined once more by Mike Techman in Brighton, Sarah Moore in London... And Paul Brunger in Manchester. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, Rob. Aside from this week's homework, what have we all been enjoying watching recently? I've just been like binging on all of the the Netflix comedy specials. I uh, I've watched all of James Acaster's series of four, which, if you've not seen it, really highly recommend. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I just watched Jim Jeffries's newest. He just there was one released earlier this week, um, which I watched. Uh, uh, the other day um, which is really good uh, not as good as some of his stuff because he recycles a bit and he definitely steals a joke from Adam Hill uh, at some point which he'd have got away with if he hadn't stole it from the only other Australian comic I know um, but yeah no uh, the James A. Castor ones are fantastic what was the stolen joke? Uh, it was about sign language interpreter um, for a comedy show um, and about the the sign for bullshit being uh, kind of crude oh, yeah. bullshitting at mid of arms I mean Jim Jeffrey Senders I feel like that joke's been done by a lot of people <laughs> yeah and Jim Jeffrey Senders go on a very different path to uh, to Adam Hill basically by saying that he really hates deaf people but um, <laughs> in a funny way in a funny way not in a, not in a mean way um, <laughs> how would they know <laughs> but in summary watch the James A. Caster specials they're very funny and very clever um there is a series on Netflix I found yesterday called The Comedians, um, which is just some stand-up done in an American comedy club. They're not that great, considering how highly billed they are on, on Netflix, but it has uh, Gina Yashiri, uh, who I haven't been aware of since she did a lot of panel shows in the UK about 10 years ago. But she's still her, her, her material is still predominantly jokes about how her, her mother is Nigerian. Oh! I know who yeah, you mean. Yeah, exactly what yeah. I mean. Well, I suppose her mother still is Nigerian. I think she, that's probably she always is, a good mind. Uh, living in America for 10 years might have changed her comedy, but it's still essentially that. <laughs> so other than the fact that I've spent the last month almost exclusively watching the World Cup, so my biggest comedy highlight has been the Iran player that did a roly-poly throw-in and then didn't. That's been a big highlight for me. Uh, but the other thing I did watch was Nanette, the uh, Hannah Gadsby Netflix comedy special. Um, or recording of her live show uh, and I have to say that was excellent I thought that was super duper punchy thought very well done jokes you can kind of see yep yeah, that's that's as sharp as it needs to be to be very good but then also a whole sort of big bunch of other stuff going on that's that's sort of quite compelling and uh, sort of exciting and clever from a comedy point of view in a sort of a, a Stuart Lee sort of a way, but also some really big kind of messages and, and kind of call to action type of stuff. It's really interesting. I would definitely recommend that to uh, everyone. Her name is Hannah Gadsby and the show is called Nanette. 
Is, is Hannah Gadsby the one who said that she was giving up stand-up? Uh, yes, although I can't work out. I think that is sort of part of the thing that happens in the show. Uh, I'll just take this large check from... <laughs> well, you, you can't... You, I, it's, I, I can't... No spoilers. I can't, I can't really say, but... but there is there is a uh, there is a there is a, an extent to which that is a valid statement okay so is it is it a stand up show sorry or is it like a one off yeah it's ve- it's very much uh, her stand up show she's been touring it for about 18 months and netflix have recorded it um and so it's her at the sydney opera house i think um and yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine uh, a show that would have been more difficult to tour for eighteen months without going insane. Um, but yeah, really? give it a watch. Interesting. Um, another show that I think would probably drive you a bit mad um, was when I went to see John Robbins um, do his show about breaking up with Sarah Pascoe um, and that that was a similar thing um, and it was the show that won was it Best Newcomer or whatever the, the award is at Edinburgh um, last summer um, and he was touring basically the same show I think um, which gave it a bit of a funny tone because obviously the kind of tortured wailings of someone who's broken up with their girlfriend, you know, six months ago, um, it's quite different when it's been toured for a further <laughs> six months. Get um, over it, John. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of that, and also he was sort of talking about what a failure he is, and you know, comparing his career to hers. But um, it was in the Hammersmith Apollo, <laughs> so. Um, I uh, I saw Sarah Pascoe's side of the show about breaking up with. Well, she was breaking up with John Robbins. She wasn't breaking up with Sarah Pascoe, but I saw her sort of show about that, uh, which was, uh, by the sound of things, decidedly less miserable as it's her going on a sort of journey journey of self-discovery and all that sort of thing. So yeah, sad um, for John. I'm actually going to see that in, um, I think, October when it comes back to London. Um, so yeah, Hugh and I Hugh and I are getting married in December. So as part of our pre-wedding warm-up, um, <laughs> <laughs> we went to see, we're going to see two comedies shows about couples who break up <laughs> read into that what you will <laughs> um, yeah, yeah his, I mean there were bits of it that were funny um, really sort of laugh out loud funny but it was pretty um, kind of self-deprecating and, and sad really um, mm. which I, I suppose I guess if you were sitting in a small room in Edinburgh and it felt quite intimate and all of that and it was fresh um it probably would have been very powerful but I think in an arena like the Apollo um it was just far too big for that that sort of thing is it funny yeah bits of it so the first half was kind of new (laughs) new material so um the Edinburgh show was just an hour and that was the second half um so the first half I thought was was pretty funny um and he was sort of he seemed like perhaps more confident than I expected him to be in that sort of scale of arena. Um, but yeah, the second half, it was pretty miserable. That was Hugh's sort of main comment afterwards, that there weren't, weren't many lols. I'm not sure, I, can't, I can't think of a worse thing for someone who, who's broken up with me to do than record a stand-up special about it. Well, yeah, she started, but I mean, to be fair. Yeah, if she did, then... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, she was going to make it 10 times the amount he would from it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's really helped his career, hasn't it? Winning that award. Oh, yeah, massively. And- yeah. So I, I'm, I'm currently one month into a 10 week gap uh, between jobs. So I watched an episode of Mrs. Brown's Boys the other day. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> I know. Um, you saying that unemployment does funny things to you, didn't they? <laughs> was that Northern Reintegration? Was that uh, part of uh, coming home? Mrs. Brown's Boys Irish, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, but Northerners like that sort of thing, don't they? That's what that's I was saying. The what only I person I know who likes it is Northern. Yeah. There you um, go, QED. Uh, anyway, it got me thinking, uh, having, having watched Mrs. Brown's Boys, what is the most successful, terrible thing to ever be on television? What other really bad things have been wildly more successful than they really deserve to be? So, you know that one with Holly Willoughby and oh, Lee, yeah. Lee Thingy? Um, What's his Keith name? Lemon. Keith, Keith Lemon. Keith Lemon? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, yeah. maybe yeah. some that people like celebrity that. Celebrity Juice. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think he one. does other ones where he goes to America and things. I've never yeah. got yeah. it. Um, yeah, what else, what else has been really bad has been wildly successful. I, I was thinking, I, I'm not a fan of Miranda. Oh, I yeah. Just, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it deserved the... It, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was... Applause that it got. As good as... Uh, I, I just never really got it. Um, no. I, I have limited limited patience for watching anything that I won't like uh, and don't watch that much television anyway I do always and this might be terribly judgmental there might be a lot of hidden value to it but I do always resent seeing an advert for Citizen Khan oh it looked no I've seen a bit of it that was that was crap as well but I don't, also don't feel like it's hugely successful either well, they're still doing them. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd, I'd take a dose of that lack of success for uh, <laughs> this show. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, how, how they... How people watch that? Only the matters, Yes. With their tastes and their Brexits and, <laughs> and their Trumps. We're never going to break into the 52% with that, Rob. I mean, actually, one thing I did notice about Mrs. Brown's Boys is... Um, is that it has um is that they really celebrate the idea of it being an old-fashioned sitcom so at the end of the episode at the end of every episode i assume they all come out uh, and they line up and you just, the cameras pan out and you can see the the set for all four different rooms that are that feature in the show oh my um, God. and everybody who's been in the episode comes out and one by one brent what's he called brendan yeah, Brendan. Gleason or something. No, that's <laughs> no. <laughs> Brendan Gleason. He's actually quite good. Anyway, Mrs. Brown comes out and <laughs> and uh, like takes a bow one by one with each group of actors in each of the sets and the whole the studio audience are all in shot and you can see that the whole thing has genuinely been filmed in front of a live audience of morons, but a, a live audience all the same. It's interesting, isn't it, how he they, he's done that to be sort of a shout out to old school sitcom and get some of that audience back, which is exactly yeah. what Graeme Linehan said he was doing with, with the IT crowd when we talked about that and yet he must loathe this because it's sort of a, it's a combination <laughs> but, of a, an Irish stereotype and a, a man dressed as a woman and it's everything that Graeme Linehan hates isn't it? And also a, a really big bag of shit <laughs> <laughs> The only other time I've seen it was a couple of years ago I caught maybe ten minutes of it five minutes of it and I did go 
at one point. Was that, was that when the cupboard fell off the wall? <laughs> You're thinking of Miranda. <laughs> They'll be putting that on the DVD box, Rob. <laughs> Rob Cohen. <laughs> yeah, so regular listeners will know that each week one of us picks a comedy for the rest of us to watch, then we have a chat about it. Traditionally, Paul is a contrarian. Mike usually has food poisoning. I say, mm, a lot. And Sarah uses the phrase, well, as a woman. <laughs> this time it was Sarah's turn to pick. Uh, what did you go for, Sarah? Well, as a woman. It's a catchphrase. I went for Fleabag as a bit of a comparison with Game Face, um, which mm. uh, you'll know um, I really enjoyed. And um, obviously, obviously yeah, obviously, Rosh and Conaty is um, is quite a fan of this podcast as well. Um, <laughs> she, she liked to tweet about it. Once. I think you're like, I think you're like a friend of the show, Rosh and Conaty. I wanted to watch Fleabag as a bit of a kind of comparison, and it was really interesting. I think I I preferred Game Face um, by quite a long way, um, but I could definitely yeah. see the merits of Fleabag. So basically, it's about um, a woman young woman in london who's probably i would guess sort of early 30s late 20s somewhere around there um kind of trying to make her way um so she owns and runs a cafe um, that never makes any money she's got um a pretty poor dating history she's got really crap boyfriends who um, kind of dump her for various reasons. Um, my favourite was the one who walked out because he um, woke up to find her masturbating to a Barack Obama speech. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a bastard. I can't believe he left her over that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Typical men. Oh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so she's she's kind of in a bit of a um, a slump, I suppose. Um, and there's a bit of a thread of a story as well, a hint of something that's that's really quite dark to do with um, her best friend. And there's lots of flashbacks to to their relationship and kind of a suggestion of um, of what might have happened. Um, so watching, I watched Fleabag, and I I I, 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 I sort of struggled with it at least at first and um, I kept a diary almost as I watched it so the first after watching episode one I wrote not hooked but I'm drawn <laughs> to it a little by the stars in the cast because I, cause I, I yeah. thought Olivia Coleman and Hugh yeah. Dennis they're not going to accept any script Hugh Dennis maybe but Olivia Coleman's definitely not yeah. going to take any old script so so there's got to be something here that I'm missing um, so I, I loved Olivia Coleman in it actually I thought she was excellent and you don't often yeah, see her say that sort of character excellent. yeah so I, I I, one thing was that I really disliked the character. At the end of the first episode, I disliked the main character. I thought she was this. She had clearly had this really privileged, privileged life that was littered with misfortune. But she re- kind of made a lot of it on her, on her own. She descended into theft from her own father and stepmother in episode one. Spoiler. And I kind of spoiler alert. And I kind of um, disliked her for that. I got to episode two, and I realised in episode two partway through it why I didn't like the lead character and it was because of the way she was talking to me directly through the fourth wall as though we're close friends but I didn't feel she'd done anything to earn that relationship with me um it seems quite an odd thing to say but if if, if like imagine you're in a imagine you're on the pub 
and there's sort of a friend of a friend there and the friend of the friend keeps just turning directly to you and telling you <laughs> all these tedious things about their life I'm totally That's doing that next like. time I go to the pub <laughs> <laughs> all the things she kind of like says to you are things like she expects you to agree with and you're yeah. sitting there at home like, no, I don't condone this. No, this, you're, I, you're, a, you're a bad lady. Stop it. Um, I, I really, uh, I'll tell you what it reminded me of, because and this is as, <laughs> completely fulfilling my stereotypical role as, as the contrary one. But um, I, what it really reminded me of is original BBC House of Cards, where yes. uh, Santa mm. Circuit is forever turned to so the camera. True. And and fundamentally, what he's saying is not necessarily very pleasant, but there is a there's a charisma there, and there is a sort of a almost she is kind of playing the the all knowing role, if you like, albeit yeah. she makes some bad life decisions, and, and we'll talk about that. But uh, but yeah. actually, she she is sort of the the. I know what's going on here and I can I can kind of tell you in a very yeah. kind of cold way this is happening and yeah, uh, she, she really, talks- I mean the whole thing the whole thing is kind of super duper theatrical so I, I what I yeah. noticed when I did my little uh, Rob Style diary uh, was most of the stuff I was writing was about the were about the drama rather than the the comedy lols yeah so uh, I, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like, I feel it's like watching a play it's like, yeah, oh, and, and she yeah. she yeah. is a playwright as well. Yeah, that's her background. Yeah, I think it had originally been done as a originally developed for a stand-up storytelling night. I think. I think I'd, it, I'd yeah, it's a one-man show. I think. Yeah, if it was an hour-long play, it would be. I would. You know, it would be amazing. I think. Yeah. I think. I think when you when you serialize it, you lose some of that sort of intensity that's maintained and sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of watched her in, in one session, so I kind of had that. But yeah, she kind of talks like she holds all the cards, um, which makes you really dislike her. But then as you go on, you start to realise that she's actually not in any sort of control and it's all sort of an yeah. illusion that she's she's doing to, doing to herself. Um, that's what I felt at the end of episode two, that, that I, I, I actually wrote this. I wrote, now I feel bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wrote that. Because re- at that point, I'd realised that, realized that the lead character uh, is, is really sad and lonely has no friends in the world um we're the only people that she can turn to yeah. so she turns to us because she doesn't have any friends and that's a really interesting and that's yeah dramatically such a clever thing to do where they that she breaks down the fourth wall because she's got nobody to talk to apart from us but i've written again still i don't like it and i don't want to be a friend <laughs> no well that's the trouble right and i think it's it's a really challenging thing to watch it's quite a brave uh a quite a brave script in that it's like you they're deliberately setting you you up to really dislike this person but that's kind of it's the other side of the game face mental health thing right it's the sort of and the um uh crazy ex-girlfriend mental health thing right it's the sort of this is someone with mental health problems that are making them act like an absolute arsehole that you don't want you don't want to help but that's the person who needs the most help and i think that's a it's a really interesting um uh it's a really interesting way of of positioning and framing that show and i think that's really cool that said yeah. I've not hooked on it and I've not come back to it because yeah. it made me sad and angry. I've, I've got to <laughs> say, the best comedies. It, made, it made me sad as well. Um, but I'm really surprised actually by everyone's response to the character. Because um, I, I saw her as like definitely very flawed and definitely without the sort of good heartedness of um, Marcella in, in Game Face. Um, 
But I didn't hate her at all. I just thought no, God, I some, her, something yeah. bad no, happened to end, her. By the end, I pitied her. Yeah, yeah. but even from <laughs> the start, her, I, but I don't think I liked her. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if it is um, speaking as a woman, um, <laughs> whether it's just or, or a contrarian. I liked it. Uh, yeah, um, but whether it's just like recognizing, uh, not necessarily bits of myself but maybe that um but certainly maybe bits of friends and you know people that I've known and been close to um because I wouldn't say she was wholly horrible I think she was no, very sad and obviously just not in a good place in her life she's not a yeah. nice person particularly but she's probably a good laugh and like that's yeah. good enough for the me sort of, <laughs> the sort of detachment she she takes from her own life is sort of very it's it's a really yeah I think um it's it is it was hard she was she was never set up to be liked having followed on from game face because you always felt like uh marcella really wanted to get out of the 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 state she was in um and whereas i think uh fleabag almost for for some of it kind of just almost uh like revels in it and um is happy yeah. to sort of lie in the shit and roll around a bit. she's carrying a lot more baggage, isn't she? I don't, I don't think she's yeah. at a point where she's going, right, I'm going to get me a life coach and, no. and put this behind me. I think I think she's still sort of wallowing yeah. uh, a little. I mean, there's a really... Because I think, I think kind of... Uh, sort of your point there about the detachment, I think that's really good work. With it. I mean, there's, there's sort of a thing that I was kind of trying to keep back. And if I ever go and rewatch it, which I definitely would consider doing before the next series comes out, I kind of feel like there's at no point when she's asked an important question does she ever tell the truth and there's just no. things like that that I'm, conv- yeah. I'm pretty convinced she never does uh, and I thought that was really interesting so there's definitely sort of some some kind of challenges she has it's, it's not the same kind of self-improvement journey because I was probably yeah. because they were sort of and came out at the same time and, and obviously both got sort of tarred with the female comedy brush and they were ostensibly about uh, a young woman who who's made bad decisions and and her personal life is a mess. I I thought, oh, this is going to be very similar to yeah. Game Face, and I was shocked by how how different it was. I think I think this was much more sort of theatrical in the way it was yeah. done. Very I dark. Thought, yeah, and I, I thought Marcella feels in uh, in Game Face feels a lot more that's like autobiographical we talked about that is this is this basically sort of regime quality by a different name uh mm. whereas fleabag definitely feels like a construct she's a character i don't i don't feel like phoebe waller bridge is sort of out there doing that i uh, i think that is very interesting i i mean i i definitely did like her sarah i i thought the only, the only point which i hated her uh, uh, when is when she gave the time of day to the guy with the teeth who I loathe. Yeah. Oh God, I hated that so <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, he's very, I, I he, mean, he's very effective in what he was there to do because yeah. I absolutely wanted to strangle him until he was dead. <laughs> but and that's and you know that, and that sets you up to to really dislike her and then you get the the sort of the gut punch later on and I think the guy who is there sort of trying to fix her and tidy her place and all that sort of thing. Um, he's almost like, I almost felt like he was a mirror for the audience where you're just trying to always find a, a positive light to, to, to frame things in and wanting her to sort of um, accept help and, and sort of be a, be a, a better person, I guess. And uh, was this the weedy boyfriend. Yeah. 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 The one who kind of cleaned up the apartment every time they broke up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And I, I, I would I would question as well. So I think there's one thing that we've kind of picked on a couple of times, 
that we've talked about how how she makes bad life decisions but i kind of think in within the world of of the the sort of the play of the program i think everyone in it makes makes <laughs> dreadful life decisions all the time i think i mean for starters olivia coleman's got a very shaky grasp of employment law i would say when she's doing the waitressing for her yes. i'm not i'm not sure how that has worked <laughs> and if you dennis can't see that she's a subprime loan uh so I, I think it's full of terrible decisions i think the uh the you know the sister and her husband and that whole dynamic uh that that also sorry teeth guy and the sister's husband uh, i hated both of them yeah <laughs> so, they were all, they were all my, my least favorite london people do you know what i mean uh yeah from from the from, from the time i lived there they were the sort of people that if i heard them talking on the tube i'd be like <sighs> um and then uh, and then sort of sitting and watching them gad about uh, in my living room, I was like, "Get off the screen." I like the only, probably the only male character in it that is quite likable. Uh, in, and even that, he's just sort of a figure of pity. Is is the nice boyfriend who's like someone's beaten all of the sexy out of Benedict Cumberbatch, and then he, you know, <laughs> with, one, of, one of my favourite bits is when he's he's in the shower, I think, and she comes in to surprise him, and, uh, and then he thinks he's about to get murdered. Yeah, yeah. Like, so all all the other guys in it, you kind of like with their dad. You kind of like, oh, why don't you be nice to your daughter? And then teeth guy and uh, and the sister's husband sister's are all yeah, terrible. Yeah. But the, the I, I actually found her much more much more likable than than, than yeah. them. Placed within that context, she doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> no. and like Olivia, like, all right, she steals Rob, but she's also Olivia Coleman, who is bloody awful. She bloody deserves it. Yeah. Well, obviously, Olivia, Olivia Coleman's character, not the real Olivia Coleman. They want the Guardian yeah. to come for me. This is a national treasure. Um, one thing I'm sort of wondering as we're talking about this is the first episode um, covered Seinfeld, and we kind of talked then about. <laughs> we always have to reference everything back to Seinfeld as well. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Um, well, I've done that, Tech. Um, <laughs> The, but we talked about um, the fact that none of the characters were very likable, um, but but that didn't seem to cause too much of an issue for us with Seinfeld. Um, so that sounds really funny, though. Um, yeah. Okay. But just on the characterisation thing, like, what's is what's it just different? that Fleabag isn't funny enough to carry characters that we don't like very much? And you know what? I sort of do like the characters in Seinfeld. They're not likable people, right? but like, and, and Seinfeld's sort kind of, of lovable. Yeah, light, and it's it, it. You kind of you don't you don't attach to the characters in the same way because you're not seeing such a like a, an emotional range from them. None of them, none of them particularly seem to have any feelings. Um, and whereas in in Fleabag, you you you're kind of really being a uh, thrust into the, all these uh, this like emotional turmoil that's going on, and you know she's talking to you directly, and um, and yeah, I suppose it's not like in in Seinfeld's they're they're not likable, but that's the joke, and the 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 joke isn't that she's not likable. the the joke The jokes are sort of uh, almost the jokes that she's telling herself to to kind of um, get herself through whatever's going on. Mm. But then, when when we watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I thought, thought I did have a problem with that. I couldn't really enjoy it because they were such a pack of bellends. 
Although they were far far less likable than. I mean, she she is, you know, she she makes some bad decisions and is a bit quirky, and she's complicated. You know, she she, play, she plays the role of being the all seeing. I'm right about everything. I in in the sides to camera. Uh, but she's not actually a terrible person, whereas the people in all of Philadelphia are terrible people, and, and that, that really affects my enjoyment of that. I think the comedy is just in a different place with Fleabag. It's not, it's not um, like Seinfeld's almost like everything, or the story's built up around the jokes, right? So each episode is like, wouldn't it be really funny if Jerry had a really smelly car or whatever? And it's, you kind of, you go through the joke, whereas the, the comedy, it was, the story was there first, and then it was like, um, let's, Let's and I think if you didn't have it as a comedy, it would be really fucking depressing. Yeah, I mean, this um, this, this, is, this fundamentally this is a comedy drama, and Seinfeld has absolutely no drama. It is just no trivial trivial nonsense snowballing into a big snowball. But there's no there's no drama. You don't ever feel like. Oh no! How awful for George that he has his yeah. terrible life. Or whatever. And, and, it, and it's moved <laughs> like, along. If, if you take George's life at first value, that's phenomenally dark. That's much worse than Fleabag. <laughs> yeah, but Seinfeld kind of moves along from joke to joke, whereas this kind of moves along like a traditional drama drama from uh, plot beat to plot beat. Yeah, um, and I think that that makes it a lot more. It puts a lot more stress on the viewer. Maybe. I mean, I, I, because I think this started out good, uh, but I wasn't sure what I was watching. And then once I got what I was watching, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a great comedy drama. I found it funny, but rarely laughed out loud. Um, it was incredibly well written, but I did find some of the plot points quite well signposted. I don't think it was, with the exception of the, the possible Initial twist. twist, yeah. So what what bit of the twist are you talking about? The the, the attribution of responsibility. Oh come yeah. on, that was the obvious bit. I really feel like there's a. I don't know. Opposite, you should have got the exact opposite view about everything about this. It's really funny. I don't know if this is like a gender issue or just a me and Rob issue, but I just like totally disagree. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think you're probably right that the the there's probably it's not sort of a rapid fire. Seinfeld type sitcom but there are definitely like I very much laughed out loud when she went to the silent retreat and someone had written I've been stung by a bee on the <laughs> that's that's perhaps my favourite kind of uh, yeah. just quick joke in it is was was oh, that there are some absolute there's some solid jokes and it kind of reminds me of um, one of those uh, kind of Edinburgh shows where it is like um, so I went I, I went to see uh, Richard Gadd's um, monkey say, monkey do, monkey see, monkey do, um, which was about him getting sexually assaulted uh, when it came down to Bryson. It was, a, and it's a similar sort of thing to that, where it's a very kind of tough story that is being punctuated with jokes, and the the joke you laugh a lot more for it because you you've been feeling really tense for the whole time. I think my, I guess it's one of those things where I liked it, but it's one of those things where you got you got to be in the right mood to watch it. Yeah, um, definitely. And I'm rarely in that mood, <laughs> which is a shame because I, d- I did really enjoy it. You're right, though, like because actually there's some of that sort of stuff in the in the Hannah Gadsby thing. I've been watching the net thing, and and you're right. There's some very similar sort of uh, feelings to this, and that's more of an overt comedy setting rather than rather than what this is. But yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that is right that there's some of that crossover. So season two is expected out next year. Uh, I guess the test of 
what we felt about this. Are you going to be seeking out season two? I definitely will. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely watch. I think the end of series one was a brilliant place to leave it, and it doesn't necessarily need another series. But I will watch one because I'll, I'll I'll, f- if, if if she does a good job, as good a job of this as the first series, then absolutely I will. Uh, but it's just such a perfect sort of point to end it. Um, I I need to finish series one first. Um, <laughs> because I got about halfway through and then I was sad. Um, it gets really cheerful towards the end. Oh, does it? Does it really no. perk up? No. <laughs> yeah, it does one of those Mrs. Brown's boys um, dance. <laughs> come out. Miranda falls out of the cupboard. Yeah, they leave out all the sets there. There's the cafe. There's, yeah. there's the that there's would a, have been the twist. There's a big that musical number. <laughs> no, I, I would. The thing is, it's one of those. It's one of those programs that I really, really want to watch, and I really want to 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 um, finish off the series and and I would like to watch the next one but I I have to find myself in a mood where I'm like I can take a little bit of sadness right now Uh, (laughs) which is why I'm sort of stuck just watching repeats uh, watching Parks and Recreation all the way through again yeah I I guess you know it's uh it's something I really wish was my cup of tea but it's it's more like my cup of uh, brandy very very rare occasions that I always end up with a sore head later I now feel like I do want to watch season 2 I think there's a bit of time for reflection I think definitely our conversation today has made me appreciate some of it a bit more yeah. um, but like you say Mike you do have to be in the sort of the mood I'm too I'm too emotionally immature for it really I think that's I think <laughs> that's the summary <laughs> Give it a few years, maybe I'll be able to cope with it. <laughs> Hence why you're the most active comedian in this uh, podcast. Fleabag is available in both the UK and the US on Amazon Prime. If you've got any thoughts on Fleabag, contact us, Twitter or Instagram, at Between Laughs, Facebook.com slash Between The Laughs, because we want to be inconsistent with our social media identity, or email us at Between The Laughs at gmail.com. We end the episodes with the Sitcom World Cup. Playing at home this week, we've got uh, I'm Alan Partridge, and uh, they will be playing against the 90s, uh, the early 90s satirical news show, The Day to Day. Now, the two, of course, are linked not only by their writing team, Armando Anici and Co., but also by the presence of Alan Partridge. He was the sports presenter on The Day to Day. That was his, the character's first TV appearance before he went on to have various uh, shows of his own, including I'm Alan Partridge. So I'm Alan Partridge versus The Day to Day. Um, well, I'll go first because it's going to be pretty easy for me. Uh, yet again, you've chosen one comedy that I'm too young to know. Uh, one comedy I'm just about old enough to know. Um, so it's going to be I'm Alan Partridge. In defence of the day-to-day, um, I watched it on DVD 10 years after it came out. It and would have been old enough by then. You watched a 10-year-old satirical news programme? It's, it's, it's a satire of, 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 the, of the news. The of the news, news yeah. Rather than, uh, yeah. Okay. You almost okay. certainly have seen bits of it. Have you ever seen the Alan Partridge World Guide? Alan Partridge's Guide to the World Cup '94. Oh, yes, that's fantastic. That's yeah, I've from seen the that. day to day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'd go for the day to day because I think Alan Partridge was potentially quite derivative, wasn't it? Derivative of um, the day to day. I think it was. I think it probably took some of the ideas. Although perhaps I've got my timings wrong. Al- Alan Partridge came out after the day to day, didn't it? And yeah, so he he started out as a as a sports reporter on the radio first and then the day-to-day 
uh, and then he went and got his own show. And then following the, the collapse of that show, that's where you get I'm Alan Partridge, which is him living in the travel tavern. Um, oh, I see. Trying so, to get a second series. Oh, right, okay. Because he punches so, yeah, David Charlie with some cheese and then he's yeah. off the telly. Yeah. Okay, in which yeah. case, <laughs> I haven't uncovered a secret link. Um, I actually came from, <laughs> from that. No, I mean, I, I even said that in the, in the introduction to this piece. <laughs> okay, fine. In that case, I'm not playing out here. <laughs> so, uh... Pick one. Um, the day-to-day. I would pick the day-to-day. Partly because the the time we're living in is it's never been more relevant to have a thing that sort of takes apart what the news is and what it does and what it doesn't do, uh, and um, I really like the format, really like all the people uh, involved in that. Um, so you pick the day to day. Sarah went for the day to day, but but didn't give a good reason. Uh, <laughs> Mike <laughs> didn't give any reason. All the goals um, count. Harry Kane taught us that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike, you went for Alan Partridge on the grounds that you're too young to have to have rewatched the day to day. Which is an even worse <laughs> So, with that, then the day to day wins two one. My casting vote is not needed. The the final penalty is not needed to be taken. But I will throw in that I would have voted for the day to day. Um, I think it's. I think they're both very good. I recently on a on a flight I watched all of Alan Partridge, all of Alan Partridge. But the day to day is uh, is wonderful. It's rewatchable. You can watch little clips of it out of context with the rest of it, and it, those are hilarious. So uh, the day to day, absolutely for me, goes through to the next round by three goals to one. Okay, that's all we've got time for in this episode of Between Laughs. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode uh, so it's goodbye from me Rob Cowan bye and it's goodbye from Mike Techman bye from Sarah Moore bye and from Paul Brugger Dostadania bye